Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Bristol, Tennessee, home to the world's fastest half-mile Bristol Motor Speedway. Time to take the playoff field from 16 to 12. They've been battling steering issues all night long. Issues for the 18. He's into the wall. Kyle Busch, a two-time champion out of the playoffs. Oh, man. What you trash. The 99's in it, guys. Let the car have a problem, too. Back He's going to have to pull back in the start. Unbelievable. William Byron on the inside. Busher trying to clear him. Could he become the 19th different winner in 2022? Chris Busher will win his second Cup Series race, and it happens in Bristol. Yeah! Yeah! Just so special here at Bristol. I love this racetrack. I love the fans. I love every time we come here. It's so special to me. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Miles, Dale Jarrett, Kim Coons, Steve Latart. Anything but straightforward under the lights Saturday night at Bristol the High Banks always seem to deliver, and they delivered once again. We're going to have the race winner. That's right, the 19th winner will be joining us in the second segment. Chris Busher will be calling. I'm not calling him Christopher. I don't care what Dale Jr. says. He's Chris Busher to me. Uh, but the most important phone calls are you, the fans. So make sure you call in. Give us your opinion on Bristol, on the playoffs. Maybe looking in the rearview mirror and looking ahead, it's uh, 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. So, Cam, you were down there in the mayhem and the noise down on Pitt Road. Uh, What were your thoughts on Bristol and the? it was true chaos? It was chaos, and I feel like I called it in our meeting before the race. I said it's going to be a race of attrition, and that's exactly what we saw. The thing for me, I know it's Bristol, but the mistakes from the playoff drivers, we still haven't seen these teams kind of rise to the top like they have in the past seasons. This is three straight weeks of multiple playoff teams making tragic mistakes. Oh, yeah. Big mistakes. DJ, second trip to Bristol, but the first time was on the dirt. Now we're back <laughs> yeah. to the concrete. It's like nothing else. Mini Dover, Banked Martinsville. You can use all the cliches you want, but Bristol is its own place were you surprised at what we saw on Saturday night? Yeah, I think that, you know, as great as this next-gen car has been for the entire year for the competition side, seeing new winners, uh, teams rising up, getting their first victories, uh, it's been spectacular with that. But but there were a number of things uh, that were exposed about this car. And, th- again, you pointed out, there's nothing like Bristol. I, I don't care where you're 
any driver goes and races, if you ever get the chance to race at Bristol, you understand that there is nothing like this. And uh, just everything that it does uh, to the, the car itself. I mean, you think back to the old cars, everything that we had to beef up, things we had to do differently for Bristol that we didn't have to do other places. You know, the ball joints uh, were different. Everything that we did uh, was because of how difficult uh, this track is with that. And then, as Kim pointed out, the mistakes. Yeah. Just when you think that maybe teams are saying, Hey, you know, if we just slow down a split second and not make a mistake, that could pay big benefits to us. But they they don't seem to be doing that. And, um, you know, this is – it has a big chance to change who might be in the Final Four uh, along with who our champion may be at the end of this. Well, you see the results right there on your screen. Chris Busher was the race winner. Uh, I'm not trying to shortchange him, but he's going to be our second segment because this is also cutoff Monday. We started with 16. We're going to eliminate four guys and end up being – Two RCR drivers and it being two champions as well with Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. I really think, in my mind, the turning point could go either way. Let's first talk about Kevin Harvick, right? Kevin Harvick went in behind, 34 points behind. So while it wasn't mathematically a must win, I think everybody agreed it had to be a must win. And early in the race, I thought he gave himself a chance. Uh, a late yellow is kind of what took it away from the 20, or excuse me, from the four car. So we'll take a look. Christopher Bell, I actually. He was my pick, and I felt very good about it. Here's Kevin Harvick, 1.3 seconds behind Bell. Bell is on fire. Best car, best strategy. Unfortunately, not the best right rear tire. Mm. Tire goes down. Yellow comes out amazingly quick. Could be a discussion all in itself on how <laughs> that is a yellow. But then the field comes to pit road, and here you go. It's Larson, Bell with a flat. Here's Kevin Harvick, third car in line. Behind him, the eventual race winner of Chris Busher. Kevin Harvick and Ronnie Childress feel they need four Goodyear tires, even though Goodyear tires mm. Don't seem yeah. to be of high value. We can make the argument it's this issue on the left front that cost Chris to, or Kevin Harvick a chance. I'm not sure I agree. I'm going to give my opinion here in a minute. Before that, though, I'm going to give it back to you guys as we see the 11 as well had mm -hmm. issues. The 20 had a long stop with that flat tire. It's two tires on yeah. the 17 of Chris Buescher that puts him out front. Then he leads the remaining laps and wins the race. All night, this is what it looked like, right? Pole sitter Chris Buescher, five rows back. The four car, we had one pass for the lead under green flag all night long, DJ. I'm shocked more cars didn't stay out or try two tires. I, they only had a little over 400 laps to figure all this out, and, and there's some <laughs> smart people on top of those boxes. They, I, I have to agree that it, it did really surprise me uh, that, that there was basically one crew chief that said, this is the, the way that we need to go, and um, it, it was the winning move, no doubt. It, it changed everything. and. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, if the four car – and they, I kind of noticed that the four car gave up, even with all the attrition and everything that was going on, and maybe that was part of their thinking. Um, but, you know, in the, when they got at the end of stage two, they had the opportunity to, to be uh, – to gather nine points there running second. And they chose to pit uh, with only, what, 12, 13 laps to right. go in the stage. Uh, that, that, so that tells you it's a win, right? It's a win. Yeah, yeah they're, they're thinking nothing else. And um, uh, so for them then not to put their driver in a position, uh, I know you're going to have a lot more to say about that. But it was very <laughs> curious at the time, along with the, the caution for the, the flat tire, because we had seen other flat tires that didn't bring out a caution. Uh, but very interesting um, things that, that – teams did and didn't do to get themselves what they needed. That's right. And if you're the four team, that's not the race winning call. We saw that the tires really didn't necessarily matter. I know people were concerned because we had some tire failures, but we were, by the time the green went, 50-ish 
something laps to go. And the fact that they took four tires made that mistake. And I'm going to go as far to say, like, even if they had had a clean stop, the four tire change would not, yeah. they still wouldn't have won that race, even right. with an absolutely perfect stop. Because two tires, Scott Graves making that call, in my mind, was brilliant. I don't know why more teams didn't make that call from what we saw out of the tires. You saw, you know, Brad Keselowski earlier in the race run. Yeah. Uh, the entire yeah. <laughs> like what felt like the entire first half of the race on a single set of tires. So this to me is just absolutely puzzling. And I think if you're that team, you're you're sl having sleepless nights wondering why you didn't make a different call. So this is a perfect example of what's your agenda. Because if the four car comes in 15 or 16 points above, I think four tires right there, even a bad mm -hmm. pit stop is exactly what you do. Um, I can even justify pitting and putting on right sides because I'm not privy to exactly why we were thinking we were having the right front issues. I have my opinions, but I guarantee Ronnie Childress has more information about some of the other Fords mm -hmm. where he feels they are in air pressure. So I can even get my mind around, you know what? I need to win, but I got to put some right side tires on because I can't win with a flat right mm -hmm. front tire. There's nothing on my notebook that said four tires. Nothing. Nothing mm -hmm. I saw all night long said you needed to spend the time to put four left side tires on when the only successful night at Bristol was going to victory lane. Now, I'm going to hand the credit to Carvick that he had a chance after the race in the interview. He just pointed out where they came on the pit road. He, he left it at that. I just felt like that was a miss. I feel like pitting already was a 50-50 call at best. Putting on those left side tires, I just think was completely unnecessary. So we could talk about the bad pit stop all we want, yeah. but yeah. I, in my opinion, the tire changer, as soon as he fell down on his knees on his left front, that the game race was over. They weren't going to beat him. Um, they had a good car. They, and what frustrated me, I think, is I think Rodney is brilliant. He brought yeah, a fast sure. race car. Kevin Harvick is a grinder. Kevin Harvick is the quarterback. He's the all-star. He's the Hall of Famer. Don't take the ball out of his hands. That's what four tires does. It takes yeah. the ball out of his hands. Give him two tires and be like, hey, man. They might go by you, but if they're going to eliminate us from the playoffs, they're going to have to beat you, and I, that's why I don't like the four tires. Now, the caution, we could continue to talk about the caution. It was, um, it was a quick caution, to say the least, when the 20 had that flat right rear tire. I also just want to make another point. You brought up the fact that we saw one lead change for one lead change. One lead entire. change under green. Brad so that, under green. So that tells you it's a track position race. Where do you gain that? Yeah. You can't do it on the track under green, mm -hmm. so it's on pit road. So Chris Buescher not only took two tires, but he only pitted four times. Yeah. yeah. The least of all top ten cars. Christopher Bell was only going to pit four times, mm -hmm. except for the flat forced yeah. his fifth pit stop, or they weren't going to come to pit road Also, again if you're as watching well. Trucks and Xfinity, I know so. it's different. But well, I don't know. Watched, Noah won 100 should, lap That's what I'm tires. saying. You should have watched those races and said, hey, I mean, the and I would argue, once, some of them. And I would argue that the bottom, which is the non-preferred lane by the end of the race, is the weakest at the end of the race. The sticky yeah. stuff is gone, so making a pass is going to be even harder. Yeah. And without getting into a huge discussion, and it's a personal opinion as I thought about, but the, the one weakness of this new car that we have seen has been on tracks under a mile. We have not seen the racing that we're accustomed mm -hmm. to seeing there. And But I think every short track racer knows, um, and, and that, that, like I say, we could take up the whole hour of the show and more talking about it, but offsetting cars uh, and, and things that you do to run good on a short track is not what this car is about. It's a straight-up car, and so I think that's one of the reasons that we're seeing uh, the racing not being as good. Um, and is that something that needs to be addressed? I don't know that it can be addressed before we get to Martinsville. It's not going to be. But looking ahead, 
is it going to be tracks a mile and under? We're going to allow for some offset in this to, to make the racing better. Hell, we put stuff on the track to try to make it better. <laughs> yeah. Surely we can do a little something to the car. Yeah, I think at this point, when I look at this car, the cars are so even that at a track like Bristol, we were looking at 15.5, 15.6 second lap times. There's not enough speed difference for you to go by me. Yeah. Right? Like when I go to a one-groove track, whether it's Martinsville on the bottom or Bristol, it ended up being the top. DJ, you're going to have to be a lot better than me for you to completely go by me. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we couldn't even really get close enough to see some pushing and some shoving, which I think is the other thing that could have happened. Yeah. Now, the other problem at Bristol, to defend the race a little <laughs> bit, was the size of the field. Um, it, was not, it was non-existent. I mean, yeah. between flat tires, wrecks, and, and steering issues, the field was non-existent. So we talked about the turning point for the race winner. We also eliminated four drivers. That was Kevin Harvick. The two RCR guys get eliminated. Reddick kind of had a chance. I don't think Austin Dillon, you know, brought the best fight in this first round. But um, to eliminate Kyle Busch, you took everything that the field had, right? Because he had a blown-up engine in the first race, wrecked at Kansas, and another blown engine at Bristol. And we still had to count the points yeah. down to <laughs> yeah. eliminate Kyle Busch. It showed you how important that the regular season is. Let's go back and look at the turning point for Kyle Busch and how he got eliminated. And, DJ, it all starts with this 18, another blown engine. Yeah, and... and- I, we'll call this a solid night. It, it wasn't what we kind of expect from Kyle Busch at Bristol, uh, where he's won er- in every type of vehicle he's ever raced there. Uh, but to have an engine problem there, I, I think that's the shocking part for all of us. Yeah, an engine problem. But even at that point, you mentioned that solid night had a plus 18. Kim, now here, plus, or he's, he's you know, still needs 14 points for Cindric to get by him. Yeah. Right? But this wreck right here for Austin Cindric is basically the saving grace as Daniel Suarez loses it and collects a whole bunch of playoff cards. Well, that's the importance of the first two races and the first 26 races of the season is you really have to pad your points, and we didn't really see any teams do that. You know, if we had seen a season from Kyle Busch like we've seen in past years, they come into the playoffs and something like this doesn't necessarily matter because they have more of a cushion. This year, you don't have that. Even I mean, you look at Chase Elliott came in, yeah, yeah, over 30 points. Over 30 points, yeah. and still yeah. there was a point where they were sweating it coming into yeah. this weekend. My favorite thing, though, was, I don't know if people caught it, so the uh, 18 blows up, they come in, and, and, and Ben says, put four tires on it, and you're like, four tires? What are you doing here? That needs more than four tires, yeah. for sure. Uh, Austin Cindric to cap it off, trying to gain those points to wreck is one thing, but in the final 100 laps, being seven laps down, between wave buys and good fortune, they passed the 78, the 10, the 22, the 42, and the 43. Wow. So five cars yeah. and 100 laps. At the same time, the 12 passed the 18, um, and surprisingly, the 45 passed the 18 for a whole another show. <laughs> Joshua, you're on NASCAR Motor Mouse. Save us from this Kyle Busch discussion. As a matter of fact, I will. This is about some rumors that have been going around. NASCAR, from what I understand, could go completely electrical sometime soon. Hybrid engines, from what I've been told, will be starting to be put into these cars as early as next season. Personally, I've been the kind of guy that thinks that strictly gasoline and oil are the future. They always have been. I'm not saying that it's an expert opinion on this. So I'm asking what you guys think. Is it all speculation at this point, or could we see something like F1 being put inside these cars sometime soon? Please help me understand this. All right, Joshua brings up. It's a good question, really, on a week where we've had a lot of mechanical failures. There are these rumors about potential uh, either an electrical or a hybrid option when it comes to NASCAR. So I'll go first as the crew chief, and here's what I think. 
I think having zero integration of electric or hybrid across all of stock car racing is a mistake. I think what the lifeblood of stock car racing was and will always be the manufacturers and the race fans. The fans come first, uh, but the fans then support these manufacturers. That's why they're in the sport. Those the drivers come and go, yeah. owners come and go, but the manufacturers and the race fans are number one. So. I'm not saying at the NASCAR Cup Series, but I think one of the lower series yep. at some point, DJ, we're going to have to see some sort of integration of future power. There's no doubt it's coming. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that, that that's a uh, possibility, a, a reality that's going to happen. I, I think we're, we're years away from it happening in the Cup side of it, uh, but I do believe that, that and, and probably Xfinity is where uh, it'll come into. I, I just have to believe. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, you know, what does it do with sound and performance yeah. and all of that? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. It's going to be so interesting. I, I'd never even driven one until I had a Tesla rental car uh, at Daytona a few <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, but I was highly impressed with it. And, yeah. you know, the power was amazing yeah. for it. So, uh, but still, Kim, I don't know that I can. It depends on how this. you define soon. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think we're going to see it very soon. I think eventually, but. NASCAR President Steve Phelps has said that's kind of why they moved in this direction of the next gen yeah. is to move it in a place where they could integrate some sort of hybrid mm-hmm. electric thing. So it wouldn't surprise me if we do it now. I don't think we're one, two, or even three years near that. Right. I think it's going to be a while. But, I mean, you can't mm-hmm. take anything off the table at this point. No, no, I agree. Um, so... I hate to look forward quite this quickly, but this is how the playoffs work, right? Yep. There's no weekends off. So we got four drivers eliminated. We've reset the field and we've moved forward, right? Now we're going to Texas. We're going to Talladega and we're going to the Roval. Uh, we had a call earlier and I'm willing to say, in my opinion, Texas this coming week is the most important mm-hmm. playoff race other than Phoenix, right? If you win this race, you don't have to worry about Talladega or the Roval. I have this long-winded question to say, surely we're going to get a playoff winner this week. I mean, because we went for the first again. time in playoff history, we went an entire <laughs> round without a playoff yeah. driver winning. It wouldn't shock me if we saw another non-playoff driver. Now, I, I do think that we will see possibly a new winner being maybe Blaney. He runs well at Texas now. The Fords haven't been great at mile and a half. I think you'll see a different winner. The possibility of a different winner is a better possibility than another non-playoff winner this week. I oh, think, Truex, yeah. though. Truex is out, so That's, he could be your non-playoff winner. I mean, you still have him and Harvick um, that, that aren't in the playoffs anymore now that, right. that have not won. Yeah. So I think that, that we could look at this, that um, it, it could continue through. You look well, at these three races, round, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it wide could be, open you could have once six again. new winners in the playoffs. Well, yeah, so just to be clear. Once you're out of the playoffs, you're now a non-playoff driver. Yeah. So yeah. your point of Harvard yeah, win, even though he's won a couple times this year, he'd be a non-playoff driver. It would yeah. be a big situation. Exactly. But for this, hey, listen, oh, we got a phone call. I thought we were getting ready to go to break and go to Chris <laughs> Busher, but instead we're going to go to Michael. You have a call for us. Go ahead. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, nice to meet you guys. Um, so I ex- my question was actually you guys were just about to go into it, but um, – what do you think? What do you guys think the odds are of more winners this year and NASCAR breaking the record in the season? Because I feel like this season has been arguably the most competitive season in NASCAR history. You know, people aren't even getting drivers aren't even getting the twenty top tens yet. Um, so I just want to know what you guys think of the odds of a two X and Blaney and maybe another first time winner coming uh, this year. Uh, thank you, guys. 
Thanks, Michael, for your question. So let's go into it. What's really the options? I'm writing them down because he said them. Truex and Blaney. For sure. Um, I don't think Brad winning after what I saw at Bristol or at Talladega now that, now well, that we have an RFK. Is, so I can put Brad K yep. on the list. of. Uh, we're talking about guys that we have seen. Like, Busher wasn't a surprise. Anyone who says that was a surprise win, I think, is a slap in the face to Scott Graves and Chris Busher and the improvement they have made this year. I'll throw McDowell in the mix. They've been fast when we go to yep. the Roval. I agree with I that. Mean, I mean, McDowell has been running. And in the Talladega. Top he has yeah. two so That's four names right there. We're going to get easily. 20. We're going to. For sure. Okay, I'll let the two of you laugh at me this time because it was Marty and Kyle that laughed when I said back in May that we would have 16 winners uh, before we finish the regular season. Um, so now I'm just telling you, we're going to have 20, if not 21 I mean, winners Stenhouse? in this. Stenhouse, Stenhouse is another one. Yeah, so there's a whole list of drivers that are very, very capable. I'm gonna, we're going to go to break on this thought, too. I actually, the one rule change, and I'm not a big guy on rule changes, is I think everybody that makes, everybody that wins a race, regardless if it's 16 or more, should all be in the playoffs. Yeah, So if we I get agree. over 16 yes. winners, let's oh, go win. Yeah. Well, listen, okay. if you're going to talk about winners, you have to talk to a winner. So let's talk to the winner. After the commercial, our man Chris Busher. There he is, the big time, two time winner now at the Cup Series. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. And it was a Saturday night spectacular under the nights at Bristol. 19 different winner of the season, Chris Buescher, and he ended some streaks. Went 222 races between wins also ends a winless streak for RFK Racing, 191 races in between wins. Wow. And he also continues a streak. So he broke two streaks, and then he continues a streak of the third non-playoff driver to win in the playoffs. And then, like I said, our 19th different winner of the season. So we want to welcome in the winner at Bristol, Chris Busher. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. So, Chris, we know you went to victory lane at Pocono. Um, and I'm a big believer, much like in golf, there's no pictures on the scorecard, right? A trophy's a trophy. I got a few wins of weather myself. So it means as much, but what did it mean to you personally to drive under that checkered flag and have that moment? Because one thing about rain victories is, is the emotion, the change, and, and, and the interaction with your crew is different. What was it like getting to do those burnouts in front of that big crowd at Bristol? Yeah, that changes everything, right? The, uh, the Pocono one was special because that was our first win, uh, but the circumstances obviously changed a lot of it. We sat around for over an hour, and uh, the adrenaline's pretty low at that point. So for this one to, uh, to all come to fruition at the same time, to have our, our crew do such a great job, uh, to, for Scott to make such a great call and put us in a place where we're able to drive that thing to the finish. Bristol's always been my favorite racetrack, so that means that much more to me. Um, to be able to do that burnout in the front, I was a little rusty there. It took me a second to get that thing going, but um, to be able to go to Victory Lane and celebrate, even Pocono, we didn't even get to go to the real Victory Lane. We had to go to a, a shelter so uh, this one, this one came around and, and did a whole lot more for me. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty big one, really special, great for RFK and, and everybody on the 17 team. We've been making huge strides through really the summer. Uh, I say about four months, and um, we, we've lost a few, 
along the way that that we had a really good shot at and uh, someone told me along the way they said you got to lose a few of those before you can win one and I think that's uh, that was the truth we had to had to give up a few to uh, to get this one and you guys did it with a bold call on pit lane towards the end of the race Scott Graves two tire stop we've been talking about it were you surprised other teams didn't make that call that you guys did we definitely are uh, on Monday afternoon <laughs> asking why nobody else did it because it seemed uh, seemed pretty easy for, for those guys that are way smarter than me, by the way, on top of the box to make that call. Um, they didn't give me an option. They told me about four pit stalls away what we were doing. And uh, I, I will say when they said it from, from inside the car, I was stoked. That's what I wanted to hear was let's take a chance. Let's take a gamble. Let's do something different here. And, uh, and that was it, right? I mean, that put us on the front row for the start. We had such a fast, fast and all Mustang that I really wasn't worried about uh, being able to get to the lead if we could control the restart. And um, and that was really all she wrote. Once we could get out there, we had the speed to do it and just had to uh, to run, <laughs> just run away at that point. So, Chris, uh, Kim pointed out that it had been 222 races since your last win there uh, at Pocono. Um, and, and when I've thought about you a lot, uh, not just then, but, uh, but in your career, uh, perseverance always comes to mind that, that you just keep battling uh, wherever you're at in whatever situation you're in. But, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing what Brad said, your, your car, one of your owners there after the race was that after he signed the papers uh, to be a, an owner there, that the next thing that needed to happen was to get you signed for a longer term deal, that you meant that much to him and that organization. So now there has to be that sense of gratification for you uh, to take this team to victory lane this quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, right? Uh, you know, this place has been very special to me uh, in, in terms of my career. Um, it's where I started my professional uh, auto racing career here in, uh, in a development program running with the, the Ruo brothers out of uh, Midlothian, Illinois on the Arca side. Uh, I've worked in the shop here. I, I've worked on Grand Am cars with Jack Roush Jr. driving. I've been in the carbon shop here. I've been an interior guy taking my seat out of race cars to put uh, another driver's in. And uh, all that uh, all that said, it, it makes this worth that much more to do it here at RFK. Um, place I, I've seen the highs, I've seen the lows, and um, and I've seen the, the progress this season that uh, a lot of people probably didn't see. And I know we're all a little bit different because we're in the trenches each and every week, but to a casual fan, when you look at the finished results, uh, you don't always see those those great weekends and uh, that we knew existed, even though we didn't have that final result. So uh, it's been a, a really big thing for me. I've, I've loved seeing Brad come over with the passion and the enthusiasm to make this thing stronger and to, to get it on the right track. I've loved watching Jack come around and be smiling and goofing off with everybody again and having that, that fire lit up under him again. So uh, I think all that comes into to say that We've had a really good summer that, that we had two cars very capable of winning that race. And, and uh, I definitely feel Brad's heartache on uh, on the race weekend as well. And uh, I think that is something special to say as well, that even though with that bad bad luck there, we had two race cars that, that led most of that race. And, uh, and that was special internally for us. Uh, again, that's one of those where they may not have the result on it on the sixth side, but uh, that was big progress for, for everybody here. So huge weekend it's um it is something special here to uh to be celebrating here today we had a big company get together uh just uh just a little while ago to uh to celebrate with everybody and to see the people that i've been in the shop working working with side by side early on in my career here and 
uh, those that are, are new here and, and have been able to get them their first cup win to have that many people come up and say how excited they are it's it's a big moment for us and uh and we're not done we're going to stay after it here and heard y'all talking and questioning if it was going to be a playoff driver that will finally get a win at texas and um i'd say if we have anything to do with it between the six and 17 teams that's not going to be the case I like it. I like that <laughs> swagger. That's that's what we like to hear out of drivers. I, I want to circle back around to your teammate, one of the co-owners. Um, what what has Brad done? You've been at Roush long before Brad was ever a, a co-owner there. I, explain exactly what someone like Brad can bring to the organization, both behind the wheel and in the boardroom. And to your point, um, I can only imagine the disappointment, but you would never know it. Class act with this interview about you after the race and coming to victory lane. But talk about the months you've got a chance to work side by side with them as a teammate, as an owner. Yeah, to start with your your last point there is uh, to come into victory lane after after a gut wrenching uh, event like that. That uh, that meant a lot to me as well, and uh, meant a lot to to everybody. Um, it has been so cool to see him come in, and I've I've said this. Uh, a lot over the past uh, summer, really, that, that I've had good teammates through my Cup career. Uh, I've had people that cared a lot and put in a lot of effort. Uh, but but Brad takes the <laughs> t- takes the top. Uh, you know, he is here at the shop constantly. He is uh, putting in all the all the work, all the effort. He's brought in a uh, a different mindset of detail work to uh, to try and make sure that with this next gen car, where our boxes are very small, make sure that we work. Uh, very efficiently within those small boxes. Make sure that we are constantly putting uh, pride in, into what we do. And so, you know, the most obvious thing for a fan or uh, someone in our industry is coming in the door and, and seeing the places cleaned up. It's organized. It's um, it's brighter. I mean, it's all stuff that you don't think matters, but at the end of the day, it does help kind of drive that work ethic. Uh, Brad's helped me as a driver go to racetracks that haven't been my best, and. Um, and ask me questions on, on why do I struggle there or what, why do I think and uh, what I, I focus on at those kinds of races and, and tell me, okay, well, that's that's fine, but maybe maybe work on this side of it. Don't worry so much about whether it's entry, work on exit, and whatever that may be to be better at those racetracks, and that's helped me as a driver at places like, like a Phoenix or a Richmond that have historically been tough on me to be better at those places. So it's been a, a really special uh, opportunity for me to, to be here at RFK to get our uh, our first cup win as RFK uh, and to be able to, to watch this thing build back up. Uh, it means a lot to me because, like you said, I, I've seen I've seen the, the absolute high, highs here and, and I've seen seen the lows as well. I've been around through a lot of that, and so this is um, this is cool to see it back on the upswing. It's cool for us to watch. Well, Chris, we have James on the phone. What question do you have, James? Hey, Chris. Uh, congratulations on your win. Um, I wanted to ask, um, after finishing third at Richmond, another short track, uh, what did you learn going into Bristol that helped contribute to uh, your win on Saturday night? Yeah, James, I appreciate the question. I think um, it probably started farther back than that. It was it was Dover. Uh, Dover was our first poll, uh, but also it was really a turning point in our season of uh, finding some things that, that worked well for our race cars what I needed to find for a, a feel underneath this next-gen platform. And uh, I think we were able to take that and apply it to a lot of short tracks going forward. Richmond ended up being the most recent uh, success story out of it. But um, I think that Richmond has been a place where I've really struggled in the past and went in there with uh, high hopes, but um, but a little lower expectations. And we were able to really overcome uh, the expectations that, that I guess I had set going in. So that was a really special 
weekend for us and to be battling for it. I think um, between that and Sonoma, that kind of goes into the, the the idea that you have to lose a few or, or you have to lose one before you, you can win one. And uh, those are the ones we go back and think about how we could have been a little bit better, how we could execute a little bit smoother. Um, it's so hard to win in this series, right? There, there's 19 different winners now. And uh, to put all that together, to, to turn it into a, a win, you have to do everything right. Because if you don't, somebody else will. And they're going to take advantage of it. So it's it's tough. The, the competition level is really high. And to get the job done, you have to be flawless in every every department. And so that was a lot of what we took away from those other races. Is you know, We missed a little bit here. Could have done a little cleaner job here. Um, how do we improve on that? And it's a little easier going into Bristol because I absolutely love that racetrack. I've had really good races there through my entire career. Uh, we were talking about it leading up to the race on, on Thursday. Scott and I were together in 2015 on the Xfinity side and watched an, an Xfinity win slip through our fingertips on a green-white checker and, and had a pretty big stutter on fuel and uh, still haunts us to this day, or, or did until about <laughs> a few days. Hey, Chris, so I'm going to so your, your win was outstanding, but we all get to talk about this each and every week about what we see taking place uh, on the track, who's the favorite for the championship, but you're right there in the middle of it. So I'm going to ask you to become an analyst for just a second. You don't have to analyze and talk about all 12 of the drivers that are still in the championship, but if you looked at it right now, uh, who might you give a, a slight edge to as far as looking ahead to might be our champion? Oh, man, that, I am the wrong person to ask that question because um, I, I have had blinders on it within our program. Uh, to, to be fair to you, uh, it, it's been what can we do in uh, in our program to uh, to keep it going forward and uh, and get better. So on the, the playoff side of it, I, I, I don't know that I, I have a, a, a answer for you at all. I, I think that I've seen drivers come and go, but uh, like we just said, in, in a season like we've had, how do you choose a favorite uh, when there's uh, there's so many yeah. different winners? The results are so mixed week in and week out. Uh, years past, you wouldn't have to study it, right? You would know, man, Harvick's got six wins on this season. That's that's going to be a favorite going into this one. Or, uh, you know, someone has led all these laps and been so close and finished second seven times. That's uh, That's got to be close to a favorite. We just haven't had that this year to really, really dive into. So uh, with that being the case, uh, without me really studying it, I don't have the right answer for you. Which <laughs> is perfect answer. Yeah, That's right. You're making us look better because we've yeah. been saying that all summer. People have <laughs> been thinking of trying to skirt the answer. It's like a dart at a dartboard trying yeah. to pick the champion. Right. I'm trying to help y'all out. Y'all are doing your homework, and it's still hard to figure out. I do my homework. I can't figure it out either. Exactly. Oh, yeah, great answer. Hey, man, congratulations. That was such a, it was so much fun to watch Saturday night. I was glad yeah. I got to watch it from the booth. It was fun. Exciting final few laps. I think we've got another caller question, too. Oh, do you? Yeah, Marvin. Marvin's on the phone for you, Chris. What you got? Oh, sounds like we lost Marvin. Oh, boy. Well, we do head to your home state, Prosper, Texas native, so it's got to feel good coming in as the most recent winner. And will you get to go in early and possibly celebrate with friends and family? I've uh, I've been able to relocate most of my friends and family out to uh, North Carolina now, so... Uh, yeah, not going to do a moment like that, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's always fun going back home. Uh, we actually were talking about our all-star race. That was pretty decent last time, and so uh, you know, feel like we have a, a good car going back and, and feel like it'll be a fun fun weekend for us. So we're going to, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely avoid all of that. So um, 
it's always good going back home. It's uh, it's always special walking out for driver intros there. Uh, just gets a little bit louder. Um, always miss home, my home state, and going back to Texas is always a little special. So I do have a few friends that we're going to go out and um, going to go out with the team on Friday morning while they're rolling through Tech. I'm going to go uh, go visit a little bit. So make it a little bit special. Yeah. Quickly, where'd you put your sword? It's still in the back seat of my truck right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't get pulled over with that in your back seat. I don't know that, that, yeah, that would no, be a good thing. For sure. <laughs> well, thanks for the time. We really appreciate yeah. it. And a big congratulations. It was so fun to see you in victory lane after what was an awesome late race call by your crew chief. Oh, absolutely. Thank you all yeah, very congrats. much. Yeah. Well, Chris Buescher was the big winner on Saturday night. There were what I would consider four losers. The four that got kicked out, we move on to the round of 12 as we hit the ground running in Texas. So we're going to go through the field when we come up next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. And we kick off the round of 12 in Texas this week, which means we re-rack them. So getting a look at the playoff standings. And I, I got to say, guys, it doesn't matter that Chase Elliott is 31 points to the good because huh. we saw how that helped him not at all in the first round. And then the other thing that stands out to me is these guys that are so close in points. So William Byron plus six, Hamlin, Bell, Blaney just plus four. Yeah, I mean, it's much like in the, the first round we saw. Chase has a little bit of breathing room for maybe one mistake, a small mistake. But from Logano to Sindrick, I mean, hell, I, Nothing. I, I, no. think, I think that was what the one wreck on the backstretch did in Bristol. Yeah. So it could go away very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's go through the field presented by eBay Motors. Lucky to get in, I guess. Now we really fast, uh, really fast early. And- I uh, just had a right front go down like almost everybody else in the race, so we just hit the wall a little bit harder than some other guys. After they spent 150 laps fixing the car, what, what did it drive like? <laughs> Not very good, okay. <laughs> but it drove, and that was the main thing. Yeah, that was easy, right? Came in plus two, leave plus two. Just how we drew it up. Drive my butt off, man. That's what it takes. Um, Got to stay in the game. You, you know that when there's issues, they're, they're just going to keep happening throughout the race, and you just got to stay in it. And, make the issue smaller than the rest. Coming in nine points out, we knew we had to get stage points, and we did a really good job. I mean, the beginning of the year, you know, the, the goal is to make the playoffs, but then you don't want to be the first four out either. So moving on, and, uh, yeah, just need to clean it up next round. We need to have a race. Every every race the next round like we did today, and if we do that, I think we should be okay. Uh, not the way you want your 500 to start to go. Uh, you know, that's why you fight all year long for those playoff points. Every one of them matters, and, and today's the reason uh, why you do that. So it's going to be harder in the next round. I don't think you can uh, have a round like this the next round and expect to move on. You have no idea how easy it's going to be for me to reset because that car, that car was not fun. We have a few things to clean up and come back stronger for the next one. It sucks when you lose power steering. It's hard to overcome that at a place like Bristol and did the same thing to stay out for stage points. And uh, at least we're locked in the next round. Proud of the effort of Trackhouse and the Sword Express team and, and GM and Chevrolet to minimize the things that take us out of the race. So minimal amount of blown tires, um, that's what we needed, right? Yeah, after a rough summer, this is, this is really good to see 
how we've kind of you know brought ourselves to the playoffs and and uh, brought our best. We just had a little hiccup there the last stop and lost that transition. Um, and, and really, you ends up cost you the win just because it was so impossible to pass. That's two weeks in a row. We've had the uh, speed and had the, the the car underneath me to win the race, and we haven't done it. Uh, makes me really excited about where we're going. Especially Texas is one of my best racetracks. Cool stuff uh, with this next gen and. Rex just really are the X factor and moving on. So you just got to be really consistent and really with about five races to go, that's when you got to start winning. We want to do better too. You know, we, we had a shot to win tonight, but we want to have a shot to win every week. And uh, I think we're very capable of that. We just got to put it all together and we'll try again. That was Through the Field presented by eBay Motors. You can be your own pit crew with 122 million parts right at your fingertips. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. A few parts and pieces coming yeah, out. Yeah, I was about to say, fire. he needs yeah. a few new parts and pieces. The second engine failure in three races. But Kyle Busch out, Tyler Reddick out, Austin Dillon out, and Kevin Harvick out. But we have 12 drivers remaining. And I have to tell you, for me, one of the silent winners at Bristol was Chase Briscoe. So he comes into this race. It's an elimination race. He is below the cutoff line, nine points, 15 in the standings, and they had a clear-cut goal. I talked to Johnny Klossmeyer. They said, we have got to get good stage points in stage one and stage two, and actually started earlier in the weekend with them with a P2 qualifying position, and they did it. They finished, I think, fourth and third in each of the stages to buffer their points. And by the way, he did it without power steering. Mm. And that happened early for them. Better him than me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we just heard from Austin Sendrick, another one of those that moved on. Steve chronicled him passing five cars in the last hundred laps to make up enough points there. But as I look at this next round, we talk about Texas, Talladega, and the Roval. It might not set up any better for than anyone besides Austin Sendrick. When you look at it, it means a Daytona 500 champion this year with this car. He's an outstanding road racer. Um, so we know that anything can happen, and the Fords have been had better speed at the mile and a half. So I think this is setting up to where Austin Sendrick could find this to his liking and move himself into the round of eight. Yeah, we saw a lot of fireworks Saturday night um, under the lights at Bristol. One driver that had very few fireworks in the playoffs, and that being a good thing, is Alex Bowman. He got the win very early in the year at Las Vegas. Ups and downs through the summer, never really showed up on a lot of people's radars but did exactly what he needed to do to afford that accident, right? He had a bad finish. We interviewed him in the care center, which is mm -hmm. never where you want to be yeah, interviewed yeah. at a Bristol race, but he had a consistent enough first two weeks, stage points, running just inside the top five, top ten at times, that starting at minus six, I think Bowman could be that guy that once again just silently and quietly Moves on to the next round. I think KP lit a fire under his <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, he's definitely not a KP fan. My only counter to Alex Bowman is, Alex, if you're watching, you should be fired up well before Kyle Petty calls you out. So, Well, similar to Bowman, his teammate William Byron had few fireworks on Saturday, which is what you needed to do well there. And actually, Byron was only one of four drivers to come into Bristol without any playoff issues in the first two races. So was he... Bell, Logano, Sendrick. Well, Bell, Logano, Sendrick all had issues. So Byron is the only driver in the first round who had no issues in the first three playoff races. And I think that speaks for itself as to this team kind of quietly making their way through the playoffs and potentially finding themselves in the championship four. Okay, so here's to hoping that Daniel Suarez can have some fun from here <laughs> on because what he did the other I don't even know how he drove that car to the point of where he got – 
it was too much, and he created the, the big wreck on the back straightaway there. But he has been very solid for the most part. And once again, you kind of look at, here's another underdog, but it kind of sets up pretty good for him. The Chevrolets have been uh, really good on the mile and a half, maybe not quite as good as the, the Toyotas have been recently. Uh, but he's also... We, we know that he won at Sonoma on the road course, so he's got the Roval there to, to think about that, and he performed well at a couple of other road courses. Uh, and then we know anything can happen at Talladega, and he can put himself in position there. So um, you, you can't count Suarez out of this, and the points are in a position that, as we you just took a look at that, anybody can point their way through here in, in making this happen. Well, one guy that didn't want the first round to end was Christopher Bell because yeah. he did everything right. He was the only driver locked in heading to Bristol. He's one flat right rear tire away from being the only playoff driver to win in the first round. And I don't know why this would slow down, right? You, you heard it when we got the sound from Bristol. Going to Texas, really good, loves that place. Talladega's Talladega. I don't think of him as a restricted plate racer, um, but I think that's just fine to go have a solid day. But I do think that his road racing driving skill has improved. I'm a little concerned about the Toyotas at the road course rate. You know, they just yeah. haven't been good this year. That's why I think Bell, even though he had a hot first round, he wants to have a good Texas and kind of get off on the right foot. Well, he's having yeah. a career year. Yeah. yeah. All of his stats. For sure. The driver that's not doing it for me is Ross Chastain. So we saw him so strong at the beginning of the year. And for whatever reason, whether it's he backed down the aggressiveness, we just haven't seen the Ross Chastain we saw in the first half of the year. The guy misses pit road at Bristol. You, you can't do that. You can't have these kind of mistakes for the playoffs. So I'm pretty concerned as we head to Texas, Talladega, and uh, the Roval, even though, you know, he could do it at, at Talladega could repeat, but again, uh, I don't know that he earned that first Talladega win this season. He just kind of pointed it straight. It was I'll add, with all the friends he's, he's built over the first 26 weeks, I wouldn't want to go into the Roval trying to count points. Yep. <laughs> could be interesting, for sure. We'll <laughs> yep. see about that. So you talked about uh, Christopher Bale uh, and his good round there. Denny Hamlin was almost equal to that. Uh, two seconds and then finished a night uh, and even had a, a tire issue and a little pit issue there. Uh, so very strong. Uh, the mile and a half, we know that this is a driver that is also pointing at Texas. Uh, can win at Talladega, no doubt about that. We know, that, but the one concern, the Toyotas, if, if he doesn't make it happen in those first two races or has a bad race, because he's only four points above the cut line right now, uh, as good as all of this has gone. Uh, so the Toyotas have been terrible on the road courses, and so he can't look to that. He better make it happen before that time. Well, Ryan Blaney, win. We need a win out of this guy. We've had 19 <laughs> he winners. He won the All-Star race at Texas, He though. did. He did win the All-Star race. I'll give him that. So he's a little bit richer, but he didn't score many points. So when I look at Ryan Blaney, I don't think he needs to win in this round to advance, but I do think he needs to win in this round to carry some momentum and some playoff points. The next round has two mile and a half. The Fords have not been very good there. This is the round where he has to strike. He's doing everything right except for seeing the checkered flag first. I think if he wants to consider himself a real championship contender, Victory Lane is going to have to be in the sights for this 12 car. I think yeah. a real championship contender is Joey Logano. Yes, he had an issue at Bristol. You never want a loose wheel ever, ever, ever. So they got to clean up mistakes. But we were talking on a call earlier, and you said, if you're a guy that has swagger, has confidence, you should come into Texas and just knock it out of the ballpark so you don't have to worry about Talladega and the Roval. And Joey's one of those drivers that I think can do that. I think he can walk into Texas and just have a clean slate. He's gotten to this round, possibly win at Texas, and then not worry about Talladega or the Roval. Yeah, so one of the hardest things in sports to do is to repeat uh, as a champion. And so Kyle Larson is trying to do that. 
outstanding year last year. I think we all expect him to come with this new car and just continue to win races. Um, even though he's won, uh, it's been anything but outstanding. Uh, and, and recently, he's been very consistent up in the front, up in the, uh, the top three, four positions. Uh, and, and that may be enough with the, the points that he has to get him through. But I think we expect a little bit more than that from this driver. Um, you know, there, there is one place that, that is, hasn't been kind to him. Uh, between Daytona and Talladega, mm -hmm. they have not been good for him. So, uh, you know, to, to look and say, I can get it done with these other two, I don't know how he goes about racing at Talladega with that, uh, but what he's been doing yeah. uh, hasn't been the answer to that. And the strange thing is I talked to Crew Chief Cliff Daniels on Saturday and asked if it gave him confidence because they were top, top consecutive 5, 10, 15 yeah, right. lap speeds yeah. in practice. And he said, you know, we've done that 10 times this year, and we have goose eggs for all yeah. those race weekends that we were the fastest in practice. Yeah, so, well, that just shows you just how tough it is and how tough practice is. Uh, Why wow, I want to swing back to Ryan Blaney, because I don't think we have the news yet, but that wheel that rolled down pit road, yeah. uh, he might be uh, a crew chief list yeah. for yeah. this round. We'll see what NASCAR has to say. Listen, we saved the guy at the top for last, it's Chase Elliott, and I'm going to tell the other 11 drivers, you better eliminate him and eliminate him quick, because he did not have the first round that the nine hoped to have. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a team that you better step on while they're down. It reminds me a little bit of Kevin Harvick, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to get between Kevin Harvick and his crew chief. It's nearly impossible to get between Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson. Good, bad, or ugly, they are arm in arm. They did not have a very good Bristol yet. Popped into second at the finish with just a good, solid day. Don't let this team stack up solid days because they will turn into wins. And next thing you know, they'll have momentum at Phoenix. So I think Chase Elliott looks just fine. I know he wants to win. But if you're one of these other teams, you better be trying. I know he has a head start. <laughs> yeah. You better try to eliminate him. Yeah, and we talked about that for each of these drivers that are in this round of 12, the other 11 seem to have a weakness at mm -hmm. somewhere. Denny is not much of that, but but it kept, could be that with the Toyota this year at the Rebel. But there's no weakness at any track for this team, which was what was so surprising in that round of 16 of how poorly they really performed through that. Mm -hmm. But yet, here they are back atop the standings. And they had qualified 23rd yeah. at Bristol, found themselves in a runner-up position, and yeah. had all but said it was junk on Friday, made changes and found themselves outside the top 20 in all three well, yeah. races qualifying. Well, so it was tough on RCR, but if you real quick look at the playoff standings, right, I see what? Four Hendrick cars. Yeah. Uh, yep. I see a couple, three Penske cars, right? The big teams are kind of showing up right here. I know Jib, Joe Gibbs lost the car. Uh, Trackhouse got both of theirs through. So it's yep. going to be interesting. Uh, poor Chase Briscoe is the one one band man. He's looking around, looking for a, a teammate well, here. May, well, maybe you they'll know. put all of their forces into Yeah, Chris sure. Go. I've seen it happen that way. You are That's not crazy. I've seen that yeah. happen. Yeah. As long as they don't make the same decisions as the four car made. <laughs> all right. Well, we do head to Texas, and it kicks off the round of 12. The drivers have said it's going to be the craziest round yet. Texas, Talladega, and then we go to the Charlotte Roval. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Once upon a time, Texas was all cowboys and cattle, bourbon and barbecue, astronauts and yeehaw. Well, 
Times change. We are underway in Texas. Contact on the max straightaway car spinning around. But also, they don't. NASCAR playoffs continue in Texas on USA. It's bigger in Texas, and the pressure is also bigger because it yep. continues to mount as the we get closer and closer to the final race. We have a caller on the phone. Wes, you're on the phone. Uh, hi. Uh, I just had a question about uh, Christopher Bell. Yes, sir. You were just saying how... These are just saying how he was having such a good round, and I didn't understand how he dropped from first to seventh this week when he had a pretty good race. Wes, that's a great question. So let's discuss the points. Here are the current playoff standings going into the round of 12. This is the NASCAR playoff system. 26 races determine the 16 drivers that advance. At the start of the round, you get 2,000 points plus the playoff points. You receive one playoff point for a stage win, you receive five for a race win, and where you finish the top 10 of points at the regular season fills that bucket up. So at that start of the round of 16, they were seated. They raced three races, four were eliminated, now they're reseated. So basically now they're reset to 3,000 points. So if you look at Christopher Bell, my handy dandy notes right here, he has 13 playoff points with one race win, four stage wins, make nine, and he scored um, a few points for where he finishes the regular season. So that seats him now at seventh again. So the best way to look at this, Wes, and I think this is like this for every fan, every round of the playoffs is like a new bracket, and that's how it works. The first thing you got to do is get your name on the bracket. That's what making the playoffs is. And then we race those brackets to eliminate four drivers. Then you just want your name on the bracket again, because that means you weren't one of those four drivers. You get reset. We do that. We do that. Now in the round of eight, it's very simple. A win automatically advances you to the championship race, and then we're going to take at least one on points. Could be four on points with this yeah. crazy winning thing. Uh, but, Wes, that's a good question because I know yeah. it can be a lot. But here's the thing. If you're a Christopher Bell fan, which Wes sounded like he is, mm-hmm. you want to win. Because win, you can forget all the points you were on to the round of eight. If not, it's about counting points. It can be a little bit confusing, uh, but yeah. I can see that. So sure. let's talk about So we have Christopher Bell, who went from first to seventh. Uh, you know, does that hurt his momentum? Does it not? How about Ryan Blaney? I mentioned it last segment. Let's bring it up again. He's the first guy in it. Eighth position plus four. His tire came off coming down pit road. Let's review this one more time. NASCAR has said, hey, if it stays in your pit box, doesn't really get in anybody's way. We're going to probably look the other way. This goes for anything but stays in his pit box. The scariest part is where this tire hits. Watch this right here. That thing hits, knocks the jack off. You know, it could be scary if somebody's not paying attention. I expect this to be a penalty from Blaney. We haven't heard from NASCAR yet. What are your thoughts if it is a penalty? Well, I would hate to not to have my crew chief for four races because that's the penalty for it as well as yeah, a that's crew a whole member. round plus some. Yeah, a whole <laughs> round plus the next one. But the good thing in Ryan's favor is I think this could be a solid round for him. He races well at Texas. He won the all-star race there. I know the Ford's not exactly fast on the mile and a half. But then you look at Talladega, multi-time winner there. And then the Roval. He's also good there. So if I'm going to lose my crew chief, I feel a little more confident in what's next for me because of how I've ran there in the past. All right, I'm going to put you all on the spot, so I want you to start giving some more thoughts on the four four drivers you're going to have out. Before I ask that, Blaney, any thoughts on Blaney? Maybe Um, he's one of your four. No, I I expect him really to move on. Uh, I I think that, you know, they're performing at a high level, and and if – you know, if this crew chief isn't there, 
with today's technology, it's not nearly uh, mm -hmm. as big an issue as what it was in another era. Right. Uh, and so I, I don't see, foresee that being a big problem for him. All right, I'm not going to put DJ on the spot because two of his championship Woo! four were eliminated yeah. in the first round. <laughs> so just a couple names. I want Not all four. Two drivers that don't advance. Oh, I'm going to say both track house. RCR swept out in the first house. round. Yep. You have both track house? Yep. Yeah, I think I think Suarez definitely isn't. And, and I really think that Chase Briscoe, uh, this might be the end uh, for him. I'm going to disagree. Roval, yeah. opportunity race for yeah. Cedric and Briscoe for me. I got Suarez and Alex Bowman. I oh, hate to God, say it. Maybe that'll be the motivation. <laughs> Tune back in on Wednesday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.